Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful having you all with me. I have a guest today. He's calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. But he, uh, he spent many years as a much-in-demand uh, session musician in New York, in uh, brutal, tough-to-live New York. And in 2020, during the beginning of the uh, COVID lockdown, he moved back to his hometown of Atlanta and just released his third album as a singer-songwriter. It's called The Fighter, and we're going to talk about it a little because it's really good. Uh, but now I, I should have I asked you this, Jeremy. Am I calling you Jeremy Wilms or Jay Wilms? <laughs> you can call me Jeremy. It's fine. In a total debacle of like trying to keep uh, two sort of like distinct music personalities separate, you'll find uh, on, on the major streaming platforms, you'll find my songwriter stuff under Jay Wilms, and then sort of more kind of like out there instrumental music is under Jeremy Wilms. Um, oh, okay. Totally. All right. And to all the kids out there, don't do that. No, Put it all <laughs> I know, do I know, that. right? Because that's, yeah, yeah, it's, that's so it's, funny. It's like it's just more confusing. You think you're not confusing things, but you're making things more confusing. But anyway, that's that. So Jeremy is fine. Whatever you, whatever you, whatever you want to do is good. Awesome. For me. And uh, and yeah. So uh, uh, Jeremy and yeah, I should mention um, that uh, this is uh, available. Uh, you got a, the Bandcamp is uh, jeremywilms.bandcamp.com. You can get this and your other releases. Been traveling along this dusty highway, not knowing where to go. Then I came upon you. You were going my way, but you didn't really know. And all at once, everything ignited in the distance. Uh, we're going to talk about the album you picked, and I think this uh, definitely, of course, I could listen to this and see that, yeah, that you're a fan of, of this artist and this record we're going to talk about. But, I mean... I was really, uh, I was really blown away by. First of all, it's just really good. The songs are really good. Like you know, I get sent stuff, and I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know, but but usually uh, when when I get sent things from from Howard, it's usually it's usually really good. And like I'm getting song after song, and I'm going, wow, well this song's great, and this is a great song. It's like shit. These are all fucking really great songs. Well, I'm glad you had that experience. I succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also uh, what struck me was that how. Uh, 
personal they all felt. I mean, I really felt. I mean, there's uh, there's more than uh, there's a few songs on there actually about it, it, it. It felt like about what you were, you know, sort of going through and about writing songs and and trying to write songs and sort of you know and just your whole your I, I guess your whole move from the big city, you know, back to your hometown and just it all feels very uh, personal. But uh, but it's all just really well done. Yeah, it's good stuff. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, basically it was. It's like I spent about 25 years with like a little, with about a year break to do some woodworking jobs, but basically 25 years grinding it out, playing music for other people. And quite honestly, just like sort of doing a couple of these songwriter records on the side for my own edification, like literally in hotel rooms and and bedrooms and stuff and then um when this thing happened man it just made me like kind of reassess everything like like many people and so i was able to kind of reflect a little bit did a lot of walking did a lot of like (laughs) you know a lot of writing songs in my head like a, a lot of these songs were just written in my head on long walks at least if if not word for word like at least the arcs of them right yeah you know and it was it was about you know, sort of turning points um, and things like that. And and I think that's why I picked this Neil Young record as well, because if it's even though he made that record when he was much younger than I made this record, there's like a, a similar kind of thing, you know, it, as far as kind of content goes. Oh, yeah, there is for sure. All right. So let's let the cat out of the bag. What are we talking about? What's the album we're talking about? Yeah, after the gold rush, which is, you know, whenever I've been asked about like, you know, the proverbial desert island records, it's like up there with, you know, probably uh, a Love Supreme and a few others, but it's always way up at the top for me. Yeah. And and yeah, it, it, we were talking uh, before uh, before I started. Uh, Jeremy was saying uh, sort of the same experience I had that he heard like all right so this was released in September 1970 and a lot of these songs maybe you heard first on the radio and just heard them and didn't even know who Neil Young was yet uh which is yeah the same experience I had and then later when you obviously you discover him and realize and then get into his records once again in, in going through this record and revisiting it again I forgot how many songs that I just sort of felt like I've, I've known my whole life almost yeah it's very very similar experience like i'm sure my dad was playing this record i'm sure you know back then like rock and roll rec- radio played not only like the hits but the b-sides right, and right. all of that stuff um yeah so like a lot of these songs like i when i started sort of realizing that writing songs was something i was interested in these were kind of the first songs i would kind of cover because I didn't have to learn the lyrics. I kind of knew them just from, you know, know, like I I sort of grew up with them. But then like over, you know, different decades and different decades on going back to them, it would be, um, you know, and listening to it again, the lyrics would, I would get deeper into it and they'd have a different meaning at different points in my life. And that's sort of why, you know, this record is so important to me, like still to this day, like, Coming up to today, I was like, oh, I should probably like re-listen to that record. And I started listening to it, started finding all the outtakes, um, which is, you know, the great thing about the Internet uh, and the horrible thing about the Internet right, um, right. is that I could like, you know, find all this, you know, listen to you listen to a commercial or two on YouTube and you can basically find anything. And, uh, you know, but it was still it had even at the decade that I'm in now, I it's still like I'm still like you know, having an emotional response to like much of this record, you know, I would say 
maybe there's maybe like one or two songs that if I'm, you know, one or two songs only on the entire record that if I'm in any kind of fragile state, the rest of the record is going to make me cry basically right. you know <laughs> right, right. so uh yeah yeah so, uh, right, so this is one of the so basically uh you had uh, crosby stills nash and young put out uh, a deja vu in 70 and it, it was huge obviously a huge record one morning i woke up and i knew and then they, they they all did their solo albums and, and this is the one that neil did but uh, were you already was that on your radar or did Crosby Stills, Nash & Young, Deja Vu, all that come uh, later on? I mean, Deja Vu probably came around at the same time. So my, you know, like I was saying, I grew up with a, a sort of like my dad's a musician who never had a career at it because, you know, he went with the the stable thing, um, which, you know, is, you know, now that now that I'm at the point of life I'm in, I'm like, hmm, maybe my yeah, dad smart. was actually, uh, <laughs> he became an engineer, but he was like a huge, you know, huge music fan. So. Right. Definitely uh, Deja Vu was something that was like, you know, that I heard and I was aware of and also on the radio everywhere, probably the same experience. Um, And there are a few songs on that that hit me. But like as a whole, there was something um, like later realizing like that that's sometimes you know that the guitar solo is neil young or whatever i was like oh you know when i was a teenager like oh that's you know that's what's going on there that's why i gravitate towards that song or whatever it is um you know and there was there was deja vu was a, a cassette that just lived in my car when i was a teenager um and i listened to it a lot much like uh, Zeppelin four <laughs> right, and, right, uh, right. and, uh, REM's like fables of the reconstruction. You know, I can probably remember all the cassettes that were like in my car at that time. Yep. Um, but there was something like different about the way the Neil Young thing hit. And of course for me, like, I didn't really realize like this record as a set of songs was a thing. I just was kind of exposed to like some of these songs or most of them through like like I said like radio would play b-sides and stuff and um my dad would play records at home and you know it's just sort of like exposure and then you know later on when I think it was like much later when like rocking in the free world and stuff like that came out then I was like, oh, you know, that's Neil Young too. And then I sort of put together the records as like a set of music and started buying vinyl myself or buying cassettes myself and, and listening to it as a group. And as and that's when it's like all of the songs together in a sequence is what did it for me. You know, that's what that's what made me that that had the impact. It's sort of like the emotional the emotional arc of the entire record in a way. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, I, yeah, similar. I didn't have, uh, my dad didn't listen to any, uh, rock music at all, but my sister, I had an older sister and she had, uh, and I, she was a Neil Young fan at one point and would play his records. And, and I was sort of, you know, at, uh, she's four years older than me. So I would not, uh, we never really had that close relationship, but I would always hear, you know, whatever she was playing, I would hear it and it would get me, but I'll be honest. I didn't know till just now doing the research on 
this album, even though I knew this whole album, I, that the whole con- that it's sort of based on something. So what's it based on? What's after the gold rush? Yeah. So there's a, um, a movie. So they all lived in Topang- Topanga Canyon um, out there in California. And it was like sort of a an artist community. And I guess this guy, I can't remember his name. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. I've got it. I've got it up. Stockwell? Uh, Dean Stockwell? Yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah. Dean yeah. Stockwell. He wrote he wrote a screenplay and he was trying to make a sort of like at the, at the behest of, um, of, uh, easy rider. Uh, yes. uh yeah. At, oh my God. Why am I spacing on, um, <laughs> on his name? Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. There you go. Sorry, <laughs> man. Go. Uh, okay. it's been a long week. Uh, yeah, at the behest of Dennis Hopper, he was trying to write a screenplay about this kind of a p- apocalyptic, uh, movie sort of counterculture movie, um, the movie never really happened, but apparently Neil was in some kind of funk and somehow just got a copy of the screenplay and wanted to write the soundtrack. That's yeah, the, right. That's, yeah. Yeah. And so these songs are sort of about that. And it, when you put it into that, like when you put it into that context, it's it's like, um, you know, and the, the play is about basically them you know getting wiped out by by nature because nature is sort of like over the people doing all their thing. Right. right I think that's. Right subtext um and when you put it into that context like you know the song after the gold rush specifically is like you know it's sort of this like impressionistic um vision of this insane apocalypse but also human beings sort of trying to like keep going by going to space which is insane again (laughs) think about what's happening and even when he's just talking about you know mother nature uh being on the run you know look at mother mother nature being on the run in the 1970s it's like well look at mother nature being on the run now you know yes it's just very timely still and it makes sense and you know you think about like elon musk like basically his whole thing of just trying to like populate mars or whatever um you know it's just it's that's what this song is about and he's writing this thing and probably like you know he's probably writing the song in seven 1970 or 69 or 70 you know it's pretty damn forward thinking in a lot of ways um and i i it's it's apparently the screenplay has been totally lost which is yeah, i know which is crazy to me that no one has a, the screenplay anymore no one has a copy of it that's crazy. i mean i want to see this movie like and yeah, if someone right. could just get you know it's like if someone could uh like surely someone can remember the gist of it and like rewrite it, you know. Right, it's like right. let's let's see this movie. It would be and you could make it now, you know. And um, and use this as a soundtrack. Maybe add maybe Neil could write a, a couple of more songs for it, a couple of new updated ones, but use this basically as a soundtrack. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, there's only like a couple songs that were actually written for it, and the rest was just right, sort of right. Like but inspired uh, by it. like you said, yeah, I guess it kind of inspired him because he was and he was in a, kind of a funk. And and here's the the one thing that I really appreciate it. it's like you're describing this now it's obviously very hippie you know california hippie-ish the whole idea but what i what i always loved about neil like you describing it you could think that this album could just be a total hippie album but neil always has this like cynical edge to him i feel that's sort of and you know that's why he he writes so uh plain spoken a lot of times and so matter of fact so he never would totally go down into that whole hippy dippy thing you would always feel like he was sort of detached from it in a way and that's and, and that's why i feel like later on you know i'm sure a lot of people you listen to a lot of people i love got into neil young like love neil young like the the newer artists like in the 90s and stuff they all rediscovered neil young and they realized that that they loved him because he just ha- he always had this edge to him 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like he, you know, he, he, there's an edge to him. He also ta- talks about things that are really concrete. So while he's t- talking about, you know, taking mother's seed in a spaceship and then planting it in the sun or whatever, he's also talking about like, you know, things like, uh, you know, in other songs, like, you know, watching the lorries passing by and like all these things that are like concrete, real imagery of like, oh, there are all these like huge trucks just like delivering all this stuff, like look what we're doing to the environment kind of thing. So it's like he's operating on sort of this impressionistic level, but also on this very concrete level about what, you know, what's happening in the world, you know, and he's sort of like, I feel like he approaches, you know, the political context that way too, like, you know, specifically. So I don't, I don't know, like, I don't want to jump songs before you're ready or whatever, but like, um, like Southern Man, for example, like growing up down here, you know, that song is, I remember hearing that song on the radio and I'm growing up and I, I kind of went to high school in a County called Gwinnett County, which is North of Atlanta. Now it's like probably the, one of the most diverse, you know, Metro areas. Like, right. um, but at the time it, when my parents moved me here from Miami, it was not <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. It was very not. And I I was sort of, my whole family was kind of in culture shock. My dad came up here for a job and it was just like, Oh Yeah the south yeah, you know right, right. Um, the, and the um, real south that's the real south the real <laughs> south and i remember there was like in my high school that i went to there was like you know the the kids that were into neil young and the kids that the kids that were into skinnerd Skinner, <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, uh, yeah and that's great yeah but we'll get up to that because there's a lot to unpack about that whole thing that went on it's that's really uh that's great and interesting but let's start with the record let's start with the first song because there's actually there's something kind of interesting that i read about this the opening one uh, tell me why so uh, let's listen to a little of tell me why sailing hardships through Yeah, so the the first thing I was thinking that was that it was really kind of smart of him to put this as the first song in here because anyone that was into Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Deja Vu, this is kind of a good segue because it's just basically the two guitars. It's him and Nils Lofgren playing acoustic guitars and him singing with Ralph Molina and it's got those really nice harmonies. So it's a nice seg for people that it, it isn't like, uh, you know, it isn't too much of a harsh about face with some of the other things that come up uh, later on this record. Yeah, I mean, and it's it, this song is like uh, this is kind of one of the ones when I was, you know, about maybe like um, let's say maybe like uh, maybe five or six years into being in New York and and doing some touring and like having a little bit of success as a sideman, I started to do kind of small, just singer songwriter gigs. This is like one of the first songs that I would cover, and 
it's funny, like, you know, it's, I'm kind of like one of these people and that maybe has been why I haven't like focused on this aspect of my career as much, but like when I play certain songs, I just cry, you know, and like this song <laughs> is sort of like somehow heartbreaking to me. And right. then I was, um, you know, reading something about him and he kind of just doesn't play this song or stop. Yes, that's what I was going to mention. Right. Yeah. yeah he stopped playing the song. And, you know, I think the quote is like, what the fuck am I talking about? I you know, know. It just sounds like gibberish to me. He said, I don't know what the fuck I was singing about, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's something that you felt so uh, connected to. So, so heavy. And then when you think about it, it's like, yeah, it sort of doesn't make sense. But it what even the non it's like something about that impressionistic thing where it's like, OK, maybe these words strung together, like don't make literal sense but it's making me feel this certain way um and and i just always had that reaction to this song but also just the again like the imagery of like the the searcher riding the dark horse you know racing along and it's right like basically someone out along and that could be anything that could be like you searching for yourself you search, you know it's like all these sort of like archetypal images happen to me that kind of bring something emotionally out of me um but yeah man it's it's such a great it's such a great song. Like it I is. Still... And especially, I think the, one of the, the, the lines that he's, um, that, that he was referring to when he said, I didn't know, he said, is it hard to make uh, arrangements with yourself when you're old enough to replay, but young enough to sell? I mean, that sounds so great, but then he's saying, I don't know what the fuck that means, but I don't know. I think in a way, sometimes he, he gets older and maybe he did, you know, maybe he had more of an idea, but he just looks back at it now at his younger self and thinks, ah, that, that, that's just a bullshit, but no, I'm sorry. It's not bullshit. Yeah. It is you not know? bullshit. I, right. I mean, in a lot of ways, <laughs> to me, it's one of the greatest songs written. And I do, I do love that it opens the record like on this real, you know, like almost like it's it's wistful but optimistic somehow. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like a really uh, it's like a really. I had a I had a girlfriend that used to say, you know, the you can either have like things that are happy, sad, or sad, happy, you know? And, right, and right, I was right. always like, oh, okay. And this is like kind of like a sad, happy song or something like that to me. It's like, it kind of incorporates these two feelings in a, in a, in a, kind of poignant way for me at least yeah you know? no what she was really uh, that's his uh, wheelhouse in a lot of ways and a lot of his things is that yeah all right so the second song we get after the gold rush which obviously is sort of the it's, it's kind of like a hippie environmental a time travel song like you were saying uh <laughs> but it's great but it's also if you if you didn't know which like i said for most of my life i had no idea it was that it just sounds like a really beautiful it's just a really beautiful song too um, yeah. Yeah. Let's just do a little bit of After the Gold Rush. Well, I dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the split the tree there was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze look at mother nature on the run in the 1970s look at mother nature the 1970s 
I was lying in a burned out basement with a full moon in my eyes. I was hoping for a place. Oh, man. And you know, I was thinking you could just you could read these lyrics, and then you could picture someone someone else doing them, and it would just sound like I said, like some hippie time travel song, like some ridiculous hippie time travel song. But his uh, delivery, he has a way of delivering it, and it just sounds, you know. And it's funny we talked about this in the last episode. Uh, Alan Zweig, the last Neil Young, Alan Zweig did. Uh, uh, tonight's tonight, and how some people just can't stand his voice and just can't get past that, and it's like it's so right. it's so crazy to me because obviously we love the people that love him. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all uh, baked in. Like you have the, that's that's part of who he is, and and that's what makes yeah. it so great. Yeah, and this song is like the the like epitome of like what if people do not like him, this is what they don't like. Yes, you know, right. it's, <laughs> it's almost like you could you can very easily parody neil young like just by using this song but to me it's like the opposite it's like this is what makes the song you know it's like this this it's almost like a transmission from somewhere else you know it's very very like dream state and just sort of like but also that works because of the sound of his voice and because the way his delivery and all of that um and uh you know the french horn like this this is like a huge thing a huge this song is a huge influence for me and if you go through my other sort of solo songwriter records there's always some record with like it's usually trombone or maybe trumpet but there's always something with like some sort of like horn or like right. instrumental that's like strings or horn that is basically based on this yeah, song yeah, right, 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 right. like you know i might be just solo guitar for a while and then suddenly there's a section that's like horns um um but it's it's yeah again this this kind of like dream state delivered by this guy who's singing in this like kind of insane voice really you know we we love it i love but it's like if you were to be objective about it you know it's like it's kind of a crazy voice you know and it's the craziest of his crazy voices but it's it's uh you know yeah I, i i I love it. And I love this sort of, um, you know, the opening scene is sort of like this Renaissance fair imagery or something. Right, right. right. And then, uh, you know, later it gets on him being basically in a bunker and then it goes to like space travel. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's really like crazy uh, sort of science fiction meets, you know, um, you know, like medieval uh, Renaissance fair kind of imagery. I, I just... I don't know, man. I I have a really strong predilection for sort of like dreams and dream imagery. And I find it to be a really hard thing for myself to channel, although it does happen. Like it it happened on one song, this record where I dreamed a like complete section of a song, like finished lyrics, melody, chords, the whole thing. You know, I just had to wake up and like, I had to wake up and go learn it. You know, it's like, it was there and I had to go pick it out, but it was there. And this song, like, feels like that to me uh specifically like the melody and lyrics yes yeah you're right and and uh, yeah it's funny i'm glad you brought that up because at one point i was going to say the same things a lot especially this song a lot of his songs sound like that they sound like something he just sort of uh, dreamt up and just sort of pours it out and didn't maybe go over it too close or think about it it just sort of comes out and that's also what's so special and also like you said it's so uh, oppression you know uh, look at uh, mother nature on the run in the 1970s and now and now if he sings it he'll say in the 21st century and yeah yeah look i mean it's basically coming to fruition yeah now they're trying to think well maybe we'll have to live on mars eventually (laughs) 
yeah yeah or yeah or figure out a way to like undo all the shit we did oh you know God. if we can convince people that this is you know there's still a large swath of people that don't believe it's happening even though it's like crumbling right. all around, you course, know so yeah. Yep, there you go. <laughs> oh God! All right, so <laughs> yeah. this next one, uh, "Only Love Can Break Your Heart." Uh, supposedly, I'm sure you read the same thing that he wrote this song for Graham Nash, who was heartbroken after breaking up with Joni Mitchell. Uh, which, just knowing that, just adds to the beauty. There's always, this song is just such a beautiful song to listen to. And uh, I know over the years, I, I've come back to this song for different reasons. I'm sure you have too. But let's listen to "Only Love Can Break Your Heart." <laughs> beautiful song and and so this is waltz time right it, it's like a waltz. yeah 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 it's like in three three four yeah, yeah. and it's funny I, I i'll never forget at some point uh sometimes someone said to me if you're gonna write a song in waltz time you better make sure it's a really good song because it could be yeah. it could just be cheesy and not good so yeah and it, and it's kind of true when you think about it but of course this is a really great song yeah yeah i that's funny because i want i it I love this song and I love the lyrics and I love everything. But what, one thing I love about this song is, you know, the quote unquote technical aspects, like you talked about, it's in three, you know, but the way they're playing three, it sort of feels like a backbeat, you know, he's like, doom, 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 right. Doom. Uh, that's why I was asking you, I wasn't hundred percent sure. Is it Wells time? Yeah, you're right. I, I couldn't figure out why it was hard for me to uh, grasp onto that. Yeah. And even like the record, you know, he apparently a lot of this, most of this record was recorded in like his home studio and just like the the quality of the sound of the instruments that I, I often tell people like, you know, because I can play, I'm, I'm a multi-instrumentalist to some extent. And I'm like, what I try to explain people, I'm like, you know, I can kind of be a chameleon on guitar to some extent, piano, definitely on bass. But on drums, I really can only sound like Ralph Molina on After the Gold Rush. Oh, and nice. basically, <laughs> yeah, it's like basically like if you want, like I can play every instrument if it's the band on this record. If that's what you want the band to sound like, I can do it <laughs> all. Great. You know, no problem. Right. You know, there's something just amazing about the the sound of the bass, the way the bass is played. Like, you know, it's like it feels like people playing songs live together in a room which is what it was and the bass parts aren't all like you know so worked over that every eighth note is perfect the drums the pattern kind of changes sometimes he misses the snare and it's like not you know like it's not like exactly right there they're like weird flams you know i think he's right, playing right. like one two and then both hands on the snare it sounds like and um you know it's just all this kind of weird stuff that doesn't like 
line up the way everything does these days. And, um, and I just, can I curse? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just fucking love it. Man. Yeah. I fucking love it. And I miss it about music. And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do, you know, most of the time with most things I'm doing, even if it's in a situation, you know, if I'm getting paid to like lay something down on someone's record, which I still do a bit, people send me files and I'll record along to it. Right. Yeah. Like, I'll edit shit to save time. And, and, you know, if the person doesn't care, like if the, I'll, I'll do that, you know, I'll, right, I'll right. chop shit up and I'll, I'll grit it out even if I have to. Um, but if I'm making something for myself, like on my record, there's no click tracks. There's it's it's all the rhythm section stuff is like the basic tracks are me, Nick Robbins and both Bedingfield in the studio playing together in a wood room with no editing, you know, the basic track, beginning to end that's it you know yes i may overdub shit on it and i may spend a little bit of extra time on the vocals but like you know it's like it's just it's the magic of music to that's me and maybe, i always but, say there's nothing like the sound of musicians all in the same room playing at the same time and that like you said later on you could add over and everything but that bass that that scene there's nothing like that and and you know right. it's like people will try to recreate it doing it individually and doing it other ways but that's the gold standard of music is that people just in the same room playing off each other and that did you read about nils lofgren playing a piano on this one because he's playing piano on this and i guess he he wasn't really comfortable doing it but neil like just said no no that's good that that fits it and yeah if you listen to it like you said it's not necessarily maybe you could have gotten a more a proficient piano player on it but it just wouldn't have that same feel yeah yeah no i didn't i actually didn't know that i mean i was i didn't know who was playing i thought maybe neil like overdubbed the stuff but yeah I, i know that um i knew he was on this record i but I didn't know like which songs he was playing, but it, it reminds me of the, you know, the, the Dylan thing with the, uh, the organ player on um, subterranean homesick blues and all that stuff. Um, God, I am so terrible with bringing names up out of, out of the nowhere, <laughs> but the same thing. It's like guys like hanging around the studio and he's really a guitar player because everyone's a guitar player and they're like, no, 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 you, you play keyboards. And right, then you right, have right, like, right you have this magic, you know, if the, basically, you, you know, enough of how the instrument works, you can kind of get around on it. Um, I used to have a teacher that was like, Oh yeah, playing keyboards, just like pushing buttons. Obviously that's not the way it is, but like, you yeah. know, it's like, that's, that's that too. Like just this, this, just this feeling that everything is not like, you know, so planned out that there's no room for any kind of like good chaos, you know, oh, you gotta yeah, have, yeah bit of good chaos otherwise it's just what's the point <laughs> and and yeah. yeah and 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 that's part of neil young's magic that he's willing to to do that and willing to uh, fuck things up in a way or try you know different things and all right so this next one southern man this one this one really sticks out on the record and this is another one that knows lofgren even though obviously knows lofgren is a great uh, a guitar player and he plays guitar all over this but he plays piano on this one too on southern man and this is another one man this song is just crushing you know and and angry and uh, yeah we'll we'll talk more about it but let's listen to it uh, a little bit of southern man yeah
you know that part when he uh, when he's uh, I heard screaming and a bullet's cracking and it's you know his voice is cracking and it's like it's crazy when you think about how this was just played on radio on regular yeah. commercial rock radio, right? Yeah, man. I mean, I definitely heard this stuff like growing up, probably even before I lived in Georgia, like without a doubt on the radio. You know, right. I mean, and and. and I mean, it's great, you know? It's, it's great. great. All right, but now what you were saying, obviously, Leonard Skinner had their answer song, Sweet Home Alabama. Which is great. I love Neil's whole reaction to that because it could have been some kind of feud, you know, an artist feud. But Neil totally didn't buy into any of that. He said, I mean, he eventually said, oh, I'd, I'd much rather play Sweet Home Alabama than, uh, than my sons and Southern Man. It, okay. It's a better song. You know, Neil said. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, man, because I, I don't agree with that. First no, of, of course all. not. And I don't even know if he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, this is the weird thing about growing up in, in the South. It's like, you know, it's like, um, you know, when we moved here, it was night. It was I'm going to date myself, but that's all right. It was 1984 and I was 12. And within like, I think the first several months we had the Atlanta Journal Constitution. My dad had it delivered. And I remember the front page was like uh, Hosea Williams was doing this huge march up in Forsyth County, which was just like maybe. 15 miles north of where we were. Um, and he was doing this huge march because the KKK was burning crosses in front of people's houses. And this is like 1984. And I remember thinking wow. as a 12 year old, I remember thinking like, oh, they're running old news, you right, know, because right. it's something that you kind of learn about in history books. And my dad being like, no, this is happening now, you know? Yep. And uh, I remember just being like, oh, whoa what the hell and like sort of it's you know seeing like the vestiges of that and you know like southern man is like in 70 and, and now we're in this you know we're in this era where you know people want to believe that like we're in a post-racism era in the united states but, oh my god know, yeah there's like <laughs> nope. you know, all this structural stuff and like i i kind of like you know, as going into my teenage years and stuff was like kind of witnessed, you know, could see a lot of it like around me. And um, yeah, so in my high school, there was like I was in this sort of like kind of punk folk trio for a little while with a with a singer and another nice. guitar player singer. And, <laughs> you know, like influenced by sort of like, you know, times are changing era, Bob Dylan and also the violent femmes, you know, yes, for example. Yes, right. And uh and then the uh, we'd play the kind of school talent show, and then there was a, a straight edge hardcore band that actually did some things um, after high school, and then there was a Leonard Skinner cover band. And that was, those were basically the three bands in my high school, man. And like you know, these guys definitely came to school with like Confederate flags. Oh, the, the Confederate, yeah, that was all over. I went, yeah, because I I grew up in Queens, New York, but my family in the late seventies we moved down to Florida, South Florida, which in a way is not as deep south as like where you were up in Georgia. Right. But there yeah. was, you know, there was always the kid. There was definitely the kids with the Confederate flags on their trucks, and now all that. And yeah, it's just it, 
it's a crazy thing to sort of be around and and you know and then the uh, the whole southern pride thing it's like yeah okay you could have southern pride but a lot of it i always i always laugh the charlie you remember the charlie daniels band he had that song the south's uh, gonna do it again it's like oh, south's, right. south's gonna do what again You're, slavery are you talking about slavery you know yeah 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 i mean that's that's like the crazy thing or like you know the whole like make america great again like it was when we had people working in slavery and we just like took land and killed a bunch and, of people uh, like, yeah make drink, it great again. from a, a different water fountain yeah exactly and women can't vote um <laughs> you know <laughs> which is kind of what we're seems like we're going if we unchecked what we will be going back towards potentially but um i, I yeah i mean and to bring it back to the song like it was sort of liberating for me as a teenager to be in the car and to be you know you hear like uh hear whatever like whole lot of love and then the next song is like southern man by yes. neil young yes in, right. you know in the suburbs of atlanta like you know 96 rock you know that was like the rock station and they 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 would just like play it you know and it was i felt like i feel like that's just such a great thing for him to put out in the world at that time you know and it's it's weird because like his fan base is like weird and probably doesn't even know is you know it's sort of like the born in the usa thing with bruce springsteen like nobody Where knows the people were just like yeah right. they're yeah, like born fist, in the USA. they're fist pumping and it's like <laughs> no this is like a protest song you know it's yeah. like or like pink houses by john cougar is another one that i like to cover that song because lyrics in that song are just great it's a protest song yep, about yep. like how disenfranchising the u.s is and how you you know the american dream is kind of like a lie for a lot of people white and black and otherwise you know right, um right but people don't get that they just hear like a catchy melody they're like yeah usa you know yep. it's a funny thing it is and uh all right so he closes out the first side i really think i, I really like this album because some I, as you said before i think some neil young albums could be a little uh disjointed in a way maybe feel like you know but this i i feel like it, it, you know after this angry you know uh th this crushing angry song to have until uh, the morning comes which is just like an interlude it's like a little over yeah, a, a, exactly. a minute long and it's nice and it's a nice way to sort of bring you down a little and close out the side so we'll listen to a little of it uh till the morning comes i'm gonna give you till the morning comes till the morning comes till the morning comes i'm only waiting till the morning comes till the morning comes Till the morning comes. <laughs> that uh, a flugelhorn is like it. perfect. It's so great, and yeah, like you were saying before, it's so you got uh, uh, Greg Reeves and Ralph Molina, just a really simple, you know, uh, holding down, you know, the, just really simple parts or anything, and then you just got that little uh, horn coming in, uh, Bill uh, Peterson, and it's just great. It's just a uh, perfect. Yeah, I love the interlude. I love that kind of thing. And then the previous, the last record I I made, which was probably like, I guess it was like my kid was maybe a year old. So shit, I guess it's been nine years. So it's not the last record I made. It's the last kind of songwriter record I made. So uh, eight or nine years ago, oh, wow. I did kind of like, there's a song at the end of it that is basically like that. You know, I'm like, oh, I want to have something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. basically a chorus that repeats over and over and fades. And uh, yeah, man. Again, it's like, yeah, I just love the the way the rhythm section sounds. I love the fact that this record has like 
little to no reverb on it like even on the the horn just sounds like it's like oh yeah really dry like right here you know it's like right in your face right in your face dry yeah which is the same thing with your album as well i i hear that in yours that's why i hear a lot of similarities just very very clean simple and not a lot of effects thrown on which you know uh and and it just makes it more it, it makes it all seem more real you know yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's at this day and age without going too much into like engineering because I was I owned a studio for a while in New York and without getting too much into it in this day and age, it's just too easy to pile stuff on. Yeah, it's too yeah, right. easy to pile effects on. So I, I try to basically use, I mean, I think the next thing I'm going to record, I'm going to do like on four track cassette, literally. Nice. I, I just <laughs> Yeah, and then just dump and not overdub into Pro Tools or anything, just dump it to Pro Tools so I can... I can like then, uh, you know, mix it sort yeah, of like mix it and tweak but, things a little, but yeah, but yeah, you have that, but no, that. but no, nothing more than like compression and, and EQing and mastering. And that's it. Cause I, I'm just, I'm just, it's too easy. It's so easy. And there are other, there are other outlets where that's usable, but I just want to go the opposite direction. I want someone to hear the reality, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. like this it sounds like that you know it sounds like guys playing in a room i love oh, that yeah, for sure all right so side two he opens it up with a don gibson song which i didn't realize it's a cover of uh the 1957 don gibson song Everybody alone to me which is completely is different you listen to don gibson's yeah, song like all upbeat and sort of oh alone to me yeah 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 you wouldn't yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you would think it was not even I yeah it's funny i knew that version and this version and didn't realize they were the same right song. right right oh yeah very easy like, and then one day i was like oh what this is oh that's yep. that. you know that's it all right let's do a little bit of oh lonesome <laughs> totally makes it his own with a harmonica and everything it's it's just great it's great and it's a great way to open i think side two yeah beautiful tune it is beautiful playing again it's like that weird sort of three time that yep, also yep, sounds right like yeah because this time he's putting it's like a slow four so it's either like one two three two two three yep. or like one <laughs> two three four you know it's got that 12 eight yep. kind of thing and they yeah, just uh, yeah they just don't 
embellish it or overplay on it. It's just uh, great. It's perfect. Yeah. Yep. All right. So uh, don't let it bring you down. This could be one of my uh, top five, definitely my top five favorite Neil Young songs. I just, I've always loved this song. This may be, I'm thinking maybe this is one of the songs that, that uh, can make you cry on the, on the right day. <laughs> but yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. yeah, we could talk about it. Let's listen to a little bit first of Don't Let It Bring You Down. This is like classic Neil Young songwriting because the verses are so like dark and bleak. But on paper, if you're just reading the chorus, uh, uh, don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. You know, find someone who's turning and you will come around. It sounds kind of uplifting but, and, and hopeful. But when you hear it, when he's singing it, it kind of squashes all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a yeah, it, I have those exact same like sort of emotional roller coaster responses to it. Um, I mean, I just think it's like. You know, it's that thing of mixing. It's sort of like it's kind of like Buddhist in a way. It's like, you know, everything is suffering. Everything's falling apart. Right. And that's where you find the you find the the you find your inner joy amidst that because that's happening. It's been happening forever and it's going to happen forever. And, and this is like the acceptance of it. And like the 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 you're talking about the verses and course, the verses feel like you know very like bearing witness like oh there's this like old man by the side of the road you know this this truck driver you know lonely in the in the dark night like driving by this huge city and you know there's someone dead there and it, it really feels like just bearing witness to kind of like what life is on this planet, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, There's something like uh, Bo, the drummer on my record, um, who's also a great songwriter and singer and guitarist. He talks about a lot. He talks about accidental Buddhism. He's like, I'm a sucker for accidental Buddhism. (laughs) It kind of feels that way, you know, right? like to me, you know, it just feels like this, uh, you know, call it Buddhism, call like it what call it whatever it is, but the philosophy that like instead of looking for something greater, like accepting what's happening and and like doing your best to find your way, you know, to come around. Right. And uh, and just as a songwriter, uh, the way I love how he sings the chorus, like at first he sings it com- completely differently, like it's a different chorus. And then I just want to play a little of when the when the, when the song sort of resolves and he sings the chorus like proper. It's the same lyrics, but the different melody. And that's what always yeah. gets me every time. I just want to play a little. I love it. I love that so yep. much. Don't let it bring you down. It's only castles 
It's like so beautiful and he says it for right at the end of the song and I could just picture some uh, producer saying, well, that's a great chorus. Bring it in earlier in the song, you know, and it's like (laughs) Neil knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. I mean, that you, you, you nailed it. I mean, that, that crushes me every time man it's just like me too goosebumps i have goosebumps right now just uh (laughs) and the playing too you know he talks about just yeah i know we need to get through stuff but he talks about like perfect takes that's what neil talks about a lot he's like oh you know we recorded this song blah 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 but but the engineer didn't get the perfect take so that song's lost forever like you can i can imagine that the reason this stuff resonates with me is like you know, they probably did several takes of this, but this is the one that has all that spine tingling shit in it, you yep. know? Right, it's right, like right. they got it, you know? Yep. All right, so uh, this next one, Birds, just really simple. It's just a piano and him singing. And it's a song, it, it's like sort of like a song of loss and he's singing, comforting, like trying to comfort someone who he's going to leave, which is apparently something he did quite often. <laughs> Oh, apparently, apparently so. yeah, he was good at not just with uh, people, you know, uh, relationships, but friends and stuff where he could just cut people off, which is, uh, you know, it's interesting. But uh, let's listen to a little bit of Birds. Lover, there will be another one hover over you beneath the sun tomorrow see the things that never come today when you see It's crazy because it's so pretty, but the words are so brutal. When you see me yeah. fly away without you, shadow on the things you know, feathers fall around you and show you the way to go. It's over. It's over. I mean, it's like right. brutal, yeah. but it's so he's just trying to, you know. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I hear I hear it. I hear exactly what you're saying, but I also hear it as being like, you know, again, talking about the accidental Buddhist stuff. It's like everything's to me it's a song about death and i know it's probably not what he's talking about oh, but okay like, okay it's a song about you know someone having to go you know and right. yeah obviously it's a relationship song and obviously like i think the reality is what you mentioned before he's talking about leaving 
people and like some people do that and can and are okay with it and this is like sort of may maybe a way of him processing or explaining that but to me right. the way i with before i like did any like diving into this record you know which which i've done over the years before i kind of like looked into like motivation and and why these songs were written i always just thought of this as i i interpreted it as a song about death and um ah, and, kind okay. of, and kind of acceptance in a way and like the bird flying over you is sort of the memory of the person that's gone and that's this is totally mine this is not no what no he... but that's but that's fair that's totally fair that you i always say people could take you you the the song is what it means to to you you know ultimately so that, that's great I never yeah, even thought of yeah. that, but that's a great take, I think. Yeah, and it's um, you know, again, this is another one that I always like one of the when I was first getting into playing songs out, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, this is one of the ones that I would do because I could at that time become a better pianist, but at that time I could this was like my, you know, comfortable skill set on right, piano right, right. song and sing. Um and uh the the last thing I want to say about this song is there's two other versions that you can find. I knew one of them i mean there are a bunch of other versions but there's two that you can kind of readily find on youtube they're on his archives um but if you don't subscribe to that you can find them on youtube and one is like an original demo that's just him and steven stills and it's very slow and acoustic guitar and it's beautiful but like to me it's pretty obvious that they're junked out you know it's like real <laughs> yeah. it's like real lethargic it's very beautiful but it's very lethargic right. um and then there's a really cool version that never there's there's also like an early version he recorded maybe with crazy horse that didn't make it on everyone knows this is nowhere or something like that but then there's a version that he recorded with a band with a vibes player and he forgot the second verse so he gets to the end of the first verse and he just and he kind of ends the song but it's amazing it's got a rhythm section oh, he's nice. playing be playing electric guitar and there's vibraphone on it and the way the vibes are set there's it's got this like real heavy kind of like or not heavy but quick tremolo happening it's it's eerie and strange and but it's only the first verse so it's easy to find on youtube if you just look up neil young birds and you scroll through all of them you'll there's like a bunch of them the one just click on the ones that have the neil young archive thing um, or if you subscribe to his archive there's like so much amazing stuff in there and, and you know you got to be a ahead because it costs money but no but that's great that's great that it's out there and and i'm glad you mentioned it because i forgot to mention this uh at the top when we were talking about it the, the whole streaming and everything because one thing i do i i obviously whenever i do a record i get the record i i try and if it's an artist like you i, I get it from Bandcamp, but wherever i can get it i i purchase i always purchase the album you know the digital version that i could use but when i'm listening to it i usually spotify is easy so i just go on spotify yeah. and i but i always forget with neil like i'm looking i'm like going, where the fuck why can't i find this fucking record and i'm looking and i was oh fuck he's not on spotify which is great and i always give him such props for that <laughs> yeah yeah dude i wish everyone did i want to do it i want to get it off I know, of spotify I, I hate all of them and i hate I don't, it and i use it and i get mad at myself for you i'm like well uh, they so just it doesn't generate anything for me at all no. yet i have it up there in this vague like 
like I feel sort of like a, what it is, what is it? It's like operating from a, from a model of scarcity. Like I feel like if I'm not up there, I have no chance of some random person who right. might want to oh, yeah. right. something finding it because people aren't like scouring band camp in it's the same true. way. But then I mean, I'm like, this is like a false model anyway. Like, I, I mean, I can, most of my streams come from band camp. If I look at the numbers, you know, if I analyze it, it's like most of my shit's getting streamed from Bandcamp anyway. So right. I, I'm thinking about that whole process. And especially now that Spotify is, I don't know what Apple Music is doing and I don't know what, what title is doing, but Spotify is about to cut royalties to anyone that doesn't <laughs> stream crazy. over yeah. a certain amount, which is like, it's like tax the poor. You know, it's like yes, the same. It's, it's like it wasn't. It's like yeah. We're, our whole thing, our whole model is backwards. Like Taylor Swift did this whole like big like, oh, Spotify, I'm going to fight Spotify. And basically what she got is people like her now get paid and people like me don't get paid at all. Yes, you know? even, le- even less. It was like point zero 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 one percent. They just like, now nah, let's give them less than that. <laughs> let's get rid of it all. You know, it's not, we're not giving them anything anyway. You know, I feel um, dirty. Yeah. Well, I will say I feel dirty every time I use it. And I really, yeah. Likewise, I try not to, but like as any musician listening to this will know, if you're a side person, people send you Spotify playlists, man. And it's and if you're like, hey, I need you to send me MP3s, it's like you might not get the call for the gig because people I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's like yeah, I have it as a tool that I hate. And I I, if I uh you know, I have a song that I'm writing that's called If I Had the Money, and part of it is is like if I had money, I'd I'd uh you know, start a lobbyist firm that would like get universal health care, uh, affordable rent and ditch the streaming companies. Oh, nice. you know? Well, yeah. good luck with all that, but that's great. That's a great <laughs> sentiment. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, but a uh, good on Neil, like I said, good on Neil for that. I mean, uh, good for him. I'm always, uh, I'm always, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm at first I'm like, what the fuck is it? And then I'm like, Oh yeah. Good for him. Good for Neil. Yeah, yeah. Fighting yep. the fight, you know, uh, fighting the windmills like a uh, Don Quixote. Um, yep, yep. All right. So this is kind of a strange. I always feel like this song is kind of an outlier to the record. Uh, it, it's a little strange for me. It's interesting. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of When You Dance, I Can Really Love. It's just a, it's a really good rock song, and basically you have the uh, a version of uh, Crazy Horse on this. You got Ralph Molina, Billy Talbot, and you got uh, Danny Witten, which I guess supposedly this is the, the last record that uh, Danny Witten played uh, played on. And you got Jack uh, Nietzsche uh, playing piano on this one, so it's just like a good Crazy Horse 
rocker i feel like yeah it feels like it should it feels like uh everyone knows this is nowhere outtake right you know? right 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 um it's kind of like got that cinnamon girl like low d guitar thing yes, happening yes. and i mean i i love it for that reason it's not my favorite song on the record for sure but like my favorite part of the song is just the outro they like they that's like you know when they get past the lyric I, the lyrics are fine i like the verse i like the structure of the song if it was on everyone knows this is nowhere I would feel like it sort of fit better, right, but right, like right. what I really like is I love hearing like they're like, okay, we're done singing, now we're gonna fucking rock. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> the second half of the tune, and there's no solo. It's just like like chugging rock, man. And I'm yep. like, you know, I'm like, that's that's it. Like when when people need if someone's like, you know down the line you know kids these days that have ipads and make beats and stuff like that and when it's like when they need to learn what rock is i'm just going to take that like <laughs> minute or a minute and a half or whatever of that song just like put this on repeat and play drums along to yes, it and you yes, know how to it. rock you yeah, know it's great. <laughs> it's, it's great you know all right uh so let's uh we got the penultimate track uh track 10 let's listen to a little bit of i believe in you Yeah, so once again, this is what I was talking about. This is that edge I feel he has. Because you would think he's writing a song, I believe in you. It could just be a really sweet song telling someone they believe in you. But he's asking it as a question, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I lying to you when I say that I believe in you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I know. It's, it, that's, that's, I mean, classic, man. And again, you know, I just can't talk about the rhythm section enough. But it's just like, to me, this is another one of those songs. I, I actually tried to cover this one, but this is one that I like. It just chokes me up because I understand it's like weird how this sentiment, like, like you said, he's asking a question, you know, now that I made myself love you, first of all, that's like such a weird thing. Like, right. You, <laughs> you made yourself love me, you know, do you think I can change it in, in a day? You know, but I think like what I, what I, how I interpret it is like, you know, this relationship happens and one side is like more into it than the other. And then the other side gets in it into it. And then the first side like leaves, right? right. And whatever it is. And then it's like, how am I supposed to deal with this? You know, am I lying if I say that I believe in you? You know, am I lying if I say that I believed in this relationship? Because it took me so long to get here. Now I'm here and now you're leaving me. So it's like this love song, but it's also got this like resentment in it. Yes. And yes, you exactly. know, it's, um, 
it's like a weird thing and it's it's not it's an unsavory personality trait but i feel like if people look it's like almost like he's really observing the subtleties of like his behavior towards other people and yes. laying it out there and you're like you're like whoa <laughs> you know that's that's kind of that's a lot and you know he's young when he's doing this he's like in his early 20s right, you know right, right, i mean right. It's a lot, man. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, you know? I mean, if <laughs> I don't know how many songwriters in your early 20s you know, but like lyrics like this, you know, it's like pretty few and far between. Yeah, yeah, yeah because they wouldn't have, like you said, they wouldn't have that slightly cynical, you know, edge to them, that twist to them, because you just wouldn't be aware, that aware at that time. Right, you're like, usually it's like, oh, you're you're breaking my heart, like, fuck you. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, I love you so much and my heart is broken, I'm ruined, I wish you would come back. More you know, uh, it's black like, and white, yeah, more black and yeah, white. Yeah, those kinds of sentiments, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty complicated, you know, it it's, I would say Neil is definitely a, a complicated individual always has been, but that's part of what makes him, you know, people love him so much as an artist and love his songs is that. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So now we get the final song. This is the other song I would say that's immediately inspired by the, after the gold rush script, uh, apparently, uh, let's listen. We could talk about it. Let's listen to a little bit of cripple Creek ferry. towards the door It's the second half of the cruise And you know he hates to lose Hey, hey, Cripple Creek Ferry Butting through the overhanging trees Make way for the Cripple Creek Ferry Yeah, so I don't know, I could just be projecting, but I could almost imagine him thinking, oh, this will play like at the beginning of the movie with this uh, montage or any, or at some point, you know, a montage, well, this will be a song in the movie. And you you could hear that almost, but it could just be projecting that. Yeah, no, I I feel that. I also think of it like metaphorically as a little bit, if, you know, knowing what the movie was going to be about, it's almost like a Noah's Ark vibe, you know? Yeah, 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 right. You know, it's like we're all, you know, it's a mighty tight squeeze. Everyone get in because the shit's (laughs) going down. Oh, yeah, Um, that's right. That's right. That's good. You know, and I, again, that's probably similar since we don't know what the screenplay really was. That's, again, like me sort of projecting. Um, It also has that same vibe as the last song on the uh, Until the Morning Comes, where it's like, you know, it's sort of this little like outro to this, uh, you know, like much in like in a movie where if you've had I think of uh, is going to be a weird kind of connection. But I think of like the big Lebowski, how like, you know, you have it's it's a comedy, but you have like some sort of like hefty stuff happening and some weird, you know, things kidnapping and like, you know, like there's a whole subtext of like anti-Semitism and nihilism and all these like things happening. And then at the end there's like, you know, it's like tumbling tumbleweeds or whatever at the beginning and end, like kind of bookmarked by these like silly songs with a bunch of, you know? 
with like some good good music in between um but you know that that kind of idea where it's like oh that you know there's our story that was our story wasn't that a good trip and right, now we're gonna right, right. hey Pitbull creek fair you know, like old kind of old school like uh you know like um what do you call it like some sort of like uh you know variety show or something right you know, right <laughs> Show or something, you know, like, hey, wasn't that a wild ride? We took yes, you through all yeah, the yeah, oceans. Yeah. Now here's Cripple Creek Ferry, you know. Yeah, it's nice, and it's a nice way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a nice way to end the record. It's just a short song, and uh, yeah, it's just this was great because, like I said, this I, I, I'm sure a lot of people consider this a classic New Young record, but I had no idea of you know just sort of how much was going on and the whole backstory of it and everything, which is interesting, really interesting. But at the end of the day, it's just a great from beginning to end, uh, such a great record. I, I concur. Yep. All right. And uh and uh Jeremy uh has a has a great record out right now. The Fighter. Uh you could find it at jeremywilms.bandcamp.com. You can get the fighter. Like I said, I really if you're into this, Neil Young, you're into this record, you will really love it because it again, it's just like really simple, uh really good songs, well played, well written, not overplayed. It it sounds great. And it's just like I said, song after song. They're, the songs are really good. And one quick thing I wanted to ask you is that is the one song sort of a homage at all um hey my were you thinking of neil at all when you uh, in, in that song because I, I feel uh, like that song in a way is sort of like it sort of documents your your journey from new york to uh georgia back to georgia right yeah 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 it does um you know it, i was sort of a little more on the uh, i don't know if, if this is someone that's on your radar but i have a buddy who i kind of own the record with named tim folion who's had a band called two dollar guitar for a while he's played with like tons of people um cat power uh to, uh, uh, half Japanese, like oh, a bunch okay, of other okay. people, um, like a really good old friend of mine and kind of, he played with Towns Van Zandt at the end of his life and, uh, at the end of Towns's life right, and, right. uh, Tim. So in a way, honestly, I was kind of thinking about Tim a little bit more, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean that, that what, what I, what I will say about it is this record, sort of the idea of like, band songs mixed with like songs without rhythm section in that way i was thinking about the structure of the record so there's hey my and then there's a song called props which also has a little trombone yes 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 section in it like an homage to after the gold rush um so like in in these you know in that way i was but yeah look you know everything basically every songwriter thing i do is going to be steeped in this record it's just something i've realized you know it's like something about me that that is there so for me it's like neil willie nelson dylan Mm -hmm. towns you know these are the these are like the people and you know and and i say that and i'm like not an expert on any of them you know i learned but it's just it's just part of you part of you as a musician in your dna and there's as influences there's much worse influences that you could have those, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. All. all right, but nice. yeah, like I said, uh, jeremywilms.bandcamp.com. Uh, I would definitely check it out. And uh, don't forget, if you want to uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, it's at that record got me high on X, uh, trgmh podcast. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you enjoy the show, if you're a listener of the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron. I see now, patron. Uh, 
they didn't ask me, but they made it so people could become a patron for free. But it's weird because you don't actually you don't get anything for that. Like if you become a patron for as little as two dollars a month, you could uh, participate in our uh, patron uh, episodes, which we do pretty much once a month, and they're really fun. You get the newsletter and different things, but you could become a free member, I guess. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what you get out of it, but, you know, go ahead. What the, You do you. Uh, but you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a member. I'd appreciate it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Jeremy, thanks a lot. This was fun, and this was a great record. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. It was a great, great, great show. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. Life changed so much, it's clear to see. Child struggle to